Hey, you are listening to Oh Crap Parenting with me, your host, Jamie Glowacki. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hello, hello. Oh my goodness. Okay, you guys. So first of all, I'm so sure you're sick of me talking about this, but three days ago, I woke up. Well, I'm recording this a week ahead, so it'll be... (laughs) 10 days ago, I woke up and I was myself. I was not sick. And I was amazed at how great I felt. And I am just constantly blown away. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because oftentimes we see crappy behavior, potty training goes to hell. We see this in our kids and I'll always say like, is there a chance they're getting sick? And parents will be like, maybe there's a runny nose. Maybe they have a cold. And I want to cut them some slack because as you guys know, I have pretty much been some version of sick since Thanksgiving, like a cold, a flu. And the last couple of weeks, it was just a runny nose, the lingering cough. It wasn't a big deal, but like I could not put two thoughts together. Everything was hard. I am super organized. I am like bills come in, I pay them, I file them. Like I'm an expert filer. I am organized about like, content, you know, keeping things like my podcast, I mean, Instagram. And like, I could not make two thoughts come together. And then 10 days ago, I woke up and I was like, why, this is easy. This is so easy. (laughs) Well, I want you to know I feel good. But also I wanted to say that because we have to cut our kids some slack, especially getting into like January, February, March, the the sicknesses are going to be abound. We have to cut them a lot of slack, even when they don't seem like super duper sick. It's just a reminder of like how fuzzy your brain is. Um, Okay, so I wanted to say a couple of things. We're going to dive into trauma like nobody's business because as you can tell by a couple of podcasts that I've done recently, I really, really, really think almost everything comes down to our trauma responses and the trauma that we have suffered. And if you don't do your trauma work, you are a walking time bomb. You react, all of us, not just you, me too, right? We are not in control of our reactions, both with our kids, when our kids trigger and activate us, but also when friends, situations, all these things, these are all based in trauma and they don't have to be these big traumas. They can be these little traumas, these little shamings that happened, a way to cope that is just a little dysfunctional. And again, you might've gotten along great in your life. I have, I've done well, (laughs) but I'm constantly refining my reactions because I can tell when something really activates me, it's not the other person. Yeah, there are stupid people in the world. There are people who cut you off. There are jerks. There are people who um, are mean to you. But generally speaking, and of course, I don't think we all should be Zen and, and like take shit from people, right? But our reactions indicate that something's been triggered. And we know this because like I'm on Instagram. So I get all kinds of trolls. I get all kinds of nonsense. And when somebody it's weird because somebody will come on and say something kind of negative or attacking me. And sometimes I'm like laughing so hard. I'm almost peeing my pants. Cause I'm like, okay. Like somebody came out and was like, do you think you could say anything without using the F word? And I was like, have you met me? No. <laughs> so like, it didn't offend me at all. Cause I was like, that's silly. But other times somebody says something and I'm almost in tears. And so clearly 
one hits a wound and one doesn't, right? So it's not just jerks. It's that jerks who say specific things will affect me. So I'm not sure if you're aware because, you know, I don't know how you guys get your podcast, but what has been happening is on Thursdays, we release a new episode and this is being released to everybody. And what happened was when I first made my podcast, I had season one available to the public. And then I went over to Patreon, which is a paid platform. It's $1 a month. And we created a community there and I did three years worth of podcasts there. And that was for a couple of reasons. One is, um, I was kind of bucking up against the like free content. Like I just think we're creating monsters expecting free content from people with expertise. And so I was like, I want to get paid and just a dollar <laughs> for my time and my effort that I put into these podcasts. But another reason was I really wanted to get personal and vulnerable and I wasn't ready to do that with the general public. Now what's happening is I went to an ad model, right? And so you can always join Patreon for ad free for a dollar a month. But what's happening is I had a trauma series there that I did, I think it was last January or maybe even two years ago. I can't remember. No, I think it was 2021. So I did a trauma series and I got a huge amount of feedback and I got so many people in Patreon saying they were trying to convince friends and families to join Patreon for a dollar <laughs> to listen to this trauma series. And so I'm releasing a lot of the episodes from Patreon now to these major platforms for free. And those are released early in the week on Tuesday or Wednesday. So that's sort of the format of the week. And I am going to, starting next week, I am going to be releasing this trauma series. And it's just all about various ways of coping with trauma, my trauma. It's intensely personal, intensely vulnerable for me. And I just decided it was time for me to be that vulnerable and that open with the general public, <laughs> which is scary considering the amount of trolls I get. But it's, you know, I think the best way to learn is by somebody who's been through it. And I think we have to be really honest. And the best therapists I have ever worked with in my life aren't the therapists who, you know, maintain a cold exterior and just reflect back to me, but have shared their life experiences too. So I didn't feel alone. I didn't feel like I was the only one. I didn't feel crazy, even though I think I probably was. So anyway, I'm going to be releasing those episodes. And so it might seem a little incongruous because earlier in the week, there'll be a trauma episode and then Thursdays will be a new episode. So I just kind of wanted to prepare you. And I also wanted to give you just a heads up because my story, as you know, from last week's podcast, my trauma is significant and, or was significant. I've healed so, so much. And I feel like now I'm just kind of in the refining process as opposed to the blunt instrument process. But I wanted to give you a heads up in case you're going through it. Like if you're stuck in some trauma right now and you don't need my bullshit, don't listen to it. If you like trauma work is a cha-cha, you got to step in and step out, especially as a parent, because it's incredibly hard to do your trauma work while you are parenting, because you got to show up, you got to show up for your kids. And it's something you have to kind of unpack slowly when you're parenting. If I could tell anybody when they're younger, like my words would be do your trauma work before having kids, because it becomes so much harder. And I feel like on a very spiritual level, our kids are here to help us heal, not responsible for our healing. Don't get me wrong there. But that in a divine cosmic dance, that they are going to pour salt into our wounds. I think they're going to specifically trigger things in us so that we're sort of forced to deal with them. And I think there's some beauty in that. On that note, I had done an episode called Do Your Trauma Work. 
And I got some responses from that. And a couple of people on Patreon responded that, what do you do when you have a spouse who is getting triggered or activated by the children, responding and reacting to the children from a trauma response, but they're not doing their trauma work? So how do you handle that? So trauma work is funny. And one of the things about healing that I know, I think it's almost easier to see other people's trauma than it is to see our own. And I think that's just a facet of human nature. In most things, I think it's easier to see people's faults than our own. And there's a saying that whatever bugs you about somebody else is really something you don't like about yourself. And I don't know that that's always true. But when I find myself noticing or not judging, but really like, oh, I can see that person's trauma work. I can see that they're not doing their thing. I always kind of reflect it back on myself and think, okay, have you unlocked that particular door in yourself? And sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. But that's first and foremost is like, it's really easy to see other people's and it's not maybe so easy for them to see. So if you have a spouse that's you think is reacting from trauma. I would say, number one, above, especially when it comes to children and parenting, you must be kind and gentle. If you are the person who has done trauma work, and this is not a hierarchy of ego, but there are people who are just farther along the personal development path, the trauma work, the spiritual path, whatever you want to call it. To me, this is spiritual work, but it may not be for you you might be slightly ahead of other people. And again, I don't mean this in a right or wrong. There's no moral superiority here. It's just a a journey that we're all on and some people get ahead. I typically find that women do this work before men, and that's a huge generalization, but culturally it's no shock. Men are taught to keep their feelings inside, to grin and bear it, to suffer the cross they bear, that kind of thing. Whereas women are encouraged to share their feelings. So I just think women have sort of a cultural advantage to doing their trauma work first. So I do see that dynamic quite a lot when I'm working with families is the mom has done the work and the dad may be not quite there yet. Number one is be kind and gentle. So if your partner is not parenting the way you think they should, or you think they're parenting from a trauma response, you getting frustrated, aggravated, bossy, that's not going to help the situation at all. So know that you have to approach it with gentleness and you have to be, don't know the right word for this, but it's kind of like the ball's in your court, you're leading the show, right? And so as the person who may have done trauma work, it's almost your responsibility to carry that space, to hold space for the person who hasn't done the work. And I know that it's kind of shitty. My whole life, I've been like the bigger person, quote unquote, because I've done this work. But it, it is there, especially in a marriage when you when you really are locked in together and, and love and care for each other, right? So a couple of things that come up with a partner and trauma is, have you discussed this in the past? Like, is your spouse aware that they have trauma? Because what happens in a marriage is you can probably see things about his family dynamic that he can't see. And so if you guys haven't discussed this, your spouse may be unaware. And of course, this goes for gender reversal. I'm going to use the common thing that I see just for brevity, but but this can be in any situation. When we are traumatized, when our family is traumatizing, when we have a narcissistic parent, when we were raised by emotionally immature parents, whatever the situation may be, alcoholism, drug addiction, whatever, 
oftentimes that becomes the norm. And I have shared this before, like my father was very physically abusive. I was probably in sixth grade when I realized that dads didn't hit members of the family. And I was like, huh, well, that's weird because that was my norm, right? And so is your spouse even aware that there's trauma? And, you know, I'm assuming the trauma comes from the family because usually it does. (laughs) So is your spouse even aware? Because they may not be aware. Is this something you discussed? Is this something that was brought up, you know, when you guys were dating before you had kids, which, you know, may sound funny to you, but that's like my criteria now. Not that I emotionally spill on people, but I need to know if you've done your work. Otherwise, I'm not going to carry on with a relationship. I'm too old right now. (laughs) So that's one thing I would say is like, is there even an awareness? Because that may be your in if there's no awareness. And then is this something you suspect or is it something you know? So can you see an exact correlation? Can you be like, oh my God, I know his mother's a narcissist. His mother reacts like this. He's reacting to our kids the same way that his mother reacted to him. Like, is it something you can really piece together or are you just guessing? I ask this because trauma is a hot word right now. Reactionary parenting, like we're all kind of digging into this and it's a pretty big parenting buzzword. So you kind of want to not just throw this into the ring. You don't want to throw trauma into the ring unless you're kind of pretty certain about it because you are going to have to have a conversation. Then have you discussed this in the past? So we have to open the path for somebody who may be unaware of their actions. And this has to be done gently probably after sex is the best, you know, date night. I think as parents, we should really be sitting down at least once a week and not a whole lot of time, but spending some time reviewing our parenting, right? Like what worked this week? What didn't work? What can we do better? Because I find that parents get so separated once a child comes onto the scene. And then once you have multiple children, it's just a cluster and you don't ever take time to like review. And I think like in any job, we want to review our performance. We want to make sure we know what's working. So I would encourage that uh, first and foremost. I have found that the best road in, it depends. It depends on how bad your spouse's reactions are. I think it all depends on if there's awareness or not. And also, is there, are you going to need help? Are you going to need a marriage counselor or a joint counselor that can help you work through this? If you think, you know, I shared that I was engaged to a man, uh, oh my goodness, probably like nine years ago. And it took a while to figure out the story, but he was so abused, like locked in a cage in the basement kind of abused, and he had never dealt with it. So when I found that out, I was like, oh shit, we need a bigger boat. Like even as a person with a psychology background, as as a social worker, trauma-informed counselor, I can't deal with that in relationships. So we needed, I knew we needed outside help. So if you're talking like high, high trauma like that, you do need help. If you suspect it's just It's kind of the regular trauma, I think, that we all endure because our parents weren't of this generation of being conscious and aware. Then it may be something that you can bring up slowly. I always find it's best to keep it in the eye. And you can say, you know, it's so funny. The other day, I reacted really strongly to little Susie. And I just realized like, I'm I'm actually reacting from a trauma space because I remember my mom and you can like share your experience. And so that can be a really nice in. But I think it really just depends where you are in your relationship. And if your spouse is completely unaware, that may be a conversation. Maybe they, babe, we got to talk. 
we got to talk. And like, I've noticed, and it's got to be like a low key, super gentle, super nice setting. It can't be in a hot moment. It can't be after an incident with the kids. It has to be just you guys in a really vulnerable place. And so you can open the doors with like, this is what I'm noticing. Do you think this is true? Or do you think, you know, would you suspect the same? And then you have to take it from there. Some people will not do their trauma work. They just won't. Some people don't want to touch it. Some people are afraid. Some people find it's just so scary sometimes to like feel those feelings, especially again, culturally as a man, if a person is so used to holding in their feelings, it can just feel like everything will fall apart if they start to feel those feelings. So that's how I would handle it. Just very, very graciously, very slowly, and just start opening the door, seeing if you can connect the dots. And then you guys have to come together to decide if you're going to open those doors. I do know a lot of couples that have come to me for private consultations. The in was that the mom found one or two episodes of this podcast and was like, hey, could you just listen to this? Because I'm finding it really useful. And the dad has had like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that I had some trauma that I was doing that. So that might be a helpful in as well. It's hard. And so I, that, again, that's my commitment to being more vulnerable for you guys, for being more open so that we can start to just open these doors. Because one of the things I know about trauma is it breeds in shame and in darkness. And the more we talk about it, we don't want to talk about it all the time so that we identify as our trauma. But the more we can say, yeah, I felt that too. All of us have a dark pit in our heads. All of us go somewhere really ugly. And so the more we can share that, the more we shine light on the shame, which then alleviates the trauma. Trauma is built in shame. Yeah. And trauma is built when you're not allowed to complete the feeling. It's a glitch. It's a skip in the record. Kimberly Ann Johnson calls it that. You're just not allowed to process the whole thing. So something gets stopped and then it's stuck and then it becomes like a splinter and it starts to fester and it, there's like pus around it. And sometimes, you know, you get some scar tissue over it and you can survive and you're okay. But when you come face to face with it in parenting or when it's push comes to shove with somebody you love and you have to open those dark doors, it's just helpful to know that other people have been there, have felt it. So that is my gift to your spouses. You can listen to some of the trauma episodes or any episodes you find helpful, I find are a better in. And I do think culturally too, even if both parents work outside the home, I've worked with enough men to know that men really bear the burden of like protecting and providing. Even if you as the mom are making more money, it is a cultural thing and it makes men want to not ever explore those dark feelings. Because what if they fall apart? What if they fall apart and then the family falls apart? What if their role in the family falls apart? So I always want to be really sensitive to that cultural aspect that has been created. I'd like to dismantle it, but it's not going to dismantle in a generation. Now, I would say too, part of it doesn't necessarily have to be trauma response too. So one of the reasons I wrote, oh crap, I have a toddler and particularly the values chapter. So if you're not familiar with my book, I have a chapter about values and how to discover like your true actual values in parenting. Because what I realized is we go around life, like when you were a kid, maybe you visualize your wedding. Maybe, you know, I visualized being a mom. Um, I was always playing house till I got too old. And even then I was probably playing house in my head. And so 
you know, we visualize these things, then we meet somebody, then you date, you know, you date and you're having a great time and you're out and you're seeing live music and having wine or whatever you're doing, kayaking or hiking and everything's great. And then pretty soon you decide like, maybe we're going to be together forever. And then there's a proposal or a decision. You guys get married. Then you get swept up into the wedding, right? The wedding's amazing, big or small. It still takes up time and energy. And you may over those glasses of wine, you may have talked about, you know, what are we going to name our kids? Or maybe, you know, oh, well, we'll never spank them. Or we won't allow stickers in the car window. Or well, we're always going to keep fine dining, even though we have kids, like all these wonderful things you think before you have children. And so what can happen is you never really sit down. The problem is you don't know. You don't know when the rubber meets the road. And so you have these lofty ideas and then you get married, you get your house, everything's all excited. You're doing that. You're setting up, you're working, you're doing your thing. Then you get pregnant. And then of course it's game on. Now you're looking at all the pregnancy videos and now all these things. And again, in the background, you might be making some decisions about parenting and you have the baby and the baby's all encompassing and oh my God, you're never going to sleep again. And there's, you know, feeding and shit everywhere. And, you know, did you ever think you could love something that made you cry so much, right? And then all of a sudden your kid hits too. And it's like, ah! and now you have tantrums and talk back and screaming and this behavior and you didn't know it was coming. So you couldn't plan for it. So you don't know how to react. And so you might be looking at your partner for the first time through a new lens, which is like, holy shit, who are you? So like your lovely, wonderful partner, and this goes for both, becomes a shrill, shrieking maniac when your kid has some misbehavior. Or all of a sudden, your gentle, loving husband is like, I set the rules, like becomes this bear of a guy. And you're like, what the hell happened? Who is this person? And that's because you just didn't know. And so the values chapter in my book is trying to figure out really how to become these single people who became a unit. You guys made some sacrifices in becoming a unit. And now you have kids. And now what are those values as a parent and as a family? And I do these exercises when I work with couples. We often go over the values chapter. And what's amazing is almost unequivocally, the dads will say a value is to be a good dad, which isn't, that's not specific enough. And I'm always astounded by that. It's like they have this very strong pride to be the best dad they can be, but oftentimes they don't know what that means. The reason I bring this up is because this can play into trauma, but it can also not. It can just be that if we don't consciously parent, we are going to parent by default and our default will be how we were parented, period. That's just how it works. And what's happening is we are in a new parenting paradigm. So we are trying to actively parent the way we weren't. But for a lot of people, it stops there. They just go in opposition of the way they were parented. And that's not enough. We have to make our own choices. So I really encourage you to, if you are struggling, if your partner seems to be reacting or reactionary from a trauma response or just reactionary in general, I would start with the values chapter because it's a nice neutral place to start and to start digging underneath. And also you can always book a session with me and we can go through it together. And I find that that's a good in for people to start recognizing at least the reactions or at least choosing consciously some compasses for 
parenting. You can't lead with, hey, babe, I think you have trauma. Your mother's a narcissist. And I've seen like this really dysfunctional relation. Like if your spouse is unaware of that, that's kind of harsh. So you don't want to, you don't want to just lead with, with something like that. We have to kind of find these inroads so that people can discover it for themselves. That's ideal is, and that's like therapy, right? Like an uh, ideal therapist doesn't tell you what your issue is, but kind of helps you find the path so that you're like, oh my God, wait a minute. I think my mom was a narcissist. And your therapist of two years is like, ding, ding, ding. That's a lead. And that's a long answer to a a quick question. (laughs) So I wanted to kind of jump track. That was a whole bunch of trauma. But I also wanted to bring up something that I've seen kind of floating around. I did not know this. I had interviewed Alicia Robinson, who is a divorce coach. She runs Lemonade Life. That was an earlier podcast. Or no, I think I just put that out last week. And I did not know this, but January is considered divorce month. More people separate during January than any other month, probably the stress of the holidays and all of that. But a thing came up with Pascal too this week with, you know, I've been sharing some contentious relationships with his friends on my podcast. He's really struggling with this one friend. And we had such a long conversation about staying in something too long because of longevity. And I find this in relationships. I can find this in friendships, intimate relationships. Yeah, it's, it's kind of across the board is sometimes we stay in relationships that aren't serving us because we've put in time. And now I am not suggesting that you get out of a marriage because you're temporarily unhappy, right? But it is worth noting that sometimes relationships just die. This came up because of Pascal, but also because of divorce month is, yes, we put in time and we want to give our all. But occasionally, Pascal actually felt with this one particular friend, he just, he looked at me and he was on the verge of tears and he said, he just doesn't care about me. Like there's, he never considers my feelings ever. And there's always something wrong. He's always kind of mocking me about something. And I was like, well, fuck, bud, you don't have to stay. You know, I've been in those relationships where you think it's almost like you have this like crack of self-worth and somebody finds a chisel and can get in there. And I think we're all susceptible to having a crack in our self-worth. And suddenly you find yourself almost begging or putting up with too much or carrying the load all the time. And it's hard having a teenager because do you remember? It's like, it just feels like everything's going to last forever. And it doesn't, but you can't really say that to your kid. Like, don't worry, you get your whole life ahead of you. You're going to have so many more friendships and so many more relationships. But yeah, we've just been really delving into that idea of like, when do you let go? And when have you put in work? But you have to sacrifice. You have to say, you know what? Yeah, it was 10 years of work, but now it's really like, it's too much work. I'm doing all the work and I'm getting nothing in return. And so I kind of wanted to throw that into the mix. Not again, encouraging anybody to separate or get a divorce. I think marriage is such a cool divine union. And I always think people should work really hard, but I also know that sometimes it's better to quit. And don't let longevity keep you stuck, you know? The thought of like, I've already put in so much work, but if you're going to put in more work and get nowhere, then it's better to release people. And and it's hard. I think it's it's hard, but I also think it's so much better to release consciously than to wait. So many people, 
in relationships, marriages, friendships, wait for the other person to blow shit up. And then it gets like volatile or somebody cheats on you or suddenly it's push comes to shove. And so I wish we just got better at like acknowledging when an energy sort of died off and we can't really do it anymore. And like we could consciously let go, but I don't think we're there as a culture yet. All right. So I had put out an email. If you're not on my email list, you guys, you can do that on Instagram. If you go to Instagram and go to my bio, there is a way to sign up for my emails. And I am really loving my emails. For a long time, I didn't love emails because I know they piss people off. (laughs) But you know, with the algorithms, the podcast is partly to be that. It's like, I need a way to communicate with you guys that's not dependent on an algorithm where you see like half my stuff or a quarter of my stuff. I want you to have full access to all my stuff. (laughs) But anyway, I put out an email. I don't do New Year's resolutions anymore. And I saw a really interesting thing that made sense. It like makes zero sense for us to make goals in the middle of hibernation season. So especially if you are in a place that you do get like cold and you bend down the hatches for the winter, like this is the worst time to make a goal ever because we're all sleepy. Like we should be making resolutions in spring when we're feeling rejuvenated and the sun is out and we're like, oh, I can go outside without a jacket and the seeds are blooming. That's the time to make a goal. So I liked that perspective quite a lot. I just love the idea of a clean slate. I always have life is a giant whiteboard to me. (laughs) You know, I love my whiteboards and I love the idea of like, just erase it and let's start over. But I don't do resolutions, but I do love this new tradition that I saw a few years ago and I just love it. It's kind of picking a word, just picking a word that is going to be your compass for the year. You have to put a great deal of thought into it, but mine is nourish. And I just thought, oh, like you heard my podcast last week about how I eat and it's just, I feel so nourished by the way I eat and how I care for my body. I want to nourish my community. I want to nourish you guys in this podcast and Instagram. Like I want it to be like fulfilling and not just crap and content just to beat the algorithm. And I want to nourish my in-person connections and nourish my relationship with Pascal, which is changing daily because he's just, just love this age, but man, he's going, he's going, man. (laughs) He's still in my house, but you can feel it every day, the separation and So finding new ways to nourish that. So I put it out in an email and I just wanted to read a couple of the replies because it might spark something for you. And I'd love to hear, you know, if you want to go on Instagram or it's hard to, I don't really look at, if you're on Patreon, you could show me, but I'd love to hear from you guys and know what your word is. So one mama wrote to me and she said, my word is less or fewer, depending on the context. I want less stuff in my house, less guilt less thinking I need to do all the things and have a packed schedule, less crap food, less, 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 so I can have more. Oh, what a great word. The next one, and I really like this one too. Mine has to be forgiveness. I'm trying to parent in line with what I value and I can't quite get there. And I keep trying to look up another way to get there, but I realize it's not something I know. I'm I'm parenting with guilt and shame in front of it. And all of that's coming out all distorted and fucked up. Having that fog lift little by little from a life of narcissistic, abusive, toxic relationships kept me in that place because I never knew different. My first clue was when I said to myself, wow, 
I've never actually felt loved by a man. What's that look like? Because my little boy will be a man someday. Important info. Like really? With my dad being the first to set the bar for those guys I chose later in life, well, I did exactly that. And it's so similar and creepy. My father's treatment towards my mom and my ex's treatment of me and the fucking discard of the children when their ego was threatened. It's a realization that has taken 40 years to come to light. And I said to myself, how am I attracting the same shit that I've never been okay with ever? And it turns out shame and guilt bring your energy's whole frequency down to the bottom where those feelings operate from. In order to change your frequency, you need to get rid of the stuff that operates at that lower level. And the only way to do that is with forgiveness. I love this email so much. Yes, mama. Yes. And this particular email was so poignant to me because when we go back to the original question of this podcast, like, what do I do with a spouse who hasn't done their trauma work? One of the things that I always look at when I can observe something in somebody else that I don't, that I know, or I feel really certain of, I ask myself, why did I call this into my life? And that is a powerful, powerful tool. So you don't deny any of the ugly. I do believe we attract everything into our lives for learning, for healing, for sometimes just learning boundaries, for learning that people are big fat jerks and we need to ignore them, right? It doesn't always have to be deep, but I do think everything comes into our orbit for purposes. And so oftentimes when I look at my relationships, even though they may seem hard and I want to blame the other person or even, you know, like I've been really vocal about Pascal's friends, parents, and contentious relationships there. I'm like, oh, they need to do their trauma work. And I go, okay, why did I call this in? How do I need to handle this as opposed to how does the other person need to handle this? How did they need to do their work? And so I love this mama's email because it was so poignant to figure that out, that like, oh my God, I'm replaying some patterns. And so we do often call relationships into our lives that will replay these patterns so that we have the opportunity to heal those patterns. So that's just another thing to look at. But forgiveness is a freaking great word for the year. (laughs) I love it. Next one. I've decided this year's will be fearless. After crossing over the 50 mark, I've decided to give fear and anxiety the boot. It's a work in progress, but I am finally starting to give less fucks about what other people think. Yes, mama, I hear you. For me too, you know, part of my thing, like I struggle with Instagram. I struggle with posting the content and I struggle with the reels. And and then I realized part of it is my people-pleasing trauma response. I want to be liked by everybody. I hate the trolls. They make me cry. I hate people who are, mm, ugh. They're mean. They're mean to me, but there's also like a level of cluelessness where I'm like, oh my God, just please get my book. Or like, did you read the caption? You know, there's some of that like cluelessness and it can be irritating more than like, I don't hate it. It's just irritating. So there's a lot of BS that goes into Instagram. And I really sat with it at the beginning of the year. And this fearless really resonated with me because I was like, girl, you just like, you got to put your stuff out there and like live with the trolls and you just got to ignore them or like figure it out and like not really care. Cause I do, I have this intense people pleasing thing that I just want everybody to, it's also a middle child peacekeeper. I want everybody to be happy. I don't want any conflict. I want everything to be shiny and nice, but you know, like it's not going to be that way. So I have to be more fearless. Hey, Jamie, happy new year. My word for the year will be heal. Love you. Yes. Heal is also a great word. 
Ah, hey, Jamie, I had the same thought this new year. Last year was intense and I was in a semi-permanent state of reactivity that felt yucky. So my word for the year is intentional. Yes. Again, great words. This is the last one I'll read and I just love this one. My word is powerful. I have been a stay-at-home mom to twins since 2019 and I desperately want to be back in the classroom. I am willing a position open at my kid's preschool. And when I do get that position, I am going to resume being powerful in the classroom because Jamie, I was, I was powerful and first grade was my grade. All the parents requested me. My observations were outstanding and I want that back. Now, don't get me wrong. This time with my twins has been great and exhausting, but with full day preschool next year, I can get back to what I miss so much. And I love that. Like, don't you love how she was like, I own this. Yes. Good for you, mama. Like own your year, own your word and let that word be your compass. And oh, these emails like bring tears to my eyes because just us as mamas owning our time, owning whether it's less, whether it's more, whether it's power, fearless, healing, forgiveness, all these words are so powerful. Like I just get a visceral response. So, all right, you guys, I'm going to log off as always. I appreciate you guys so much. Oh, I'm kind of going to cry. I'm filled with this like intense love right now, <laughs> just probably because I feel better, but also these words in the community and having you guys listen and knowing, I mean, of course, it's amazing that I'm impacting you and your parenting and your, your lives, but just that we're all in this together, you know, for finally, I feel that I know we've been saying that for the pandemic, but like, I just feel like, yes, let's stay in this new parenting paradigm. Let's do our work. Let's heal. Let's, it's all so juicy and good. And it's, even though some of these emotions are so like, they feel negative, you know, they feel negatively charged. They're just all so good. And all we got to do is work through them and keep communicating and open those dark doors and know that we're not alone. So I appreciate you guys so, so much. Thank you for listening. And as always rock on. Okay. Bye everyone. Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. <laughs> you can also go to my website, jamieglowacki.com, where you can book private sessions with me, buy any of my courses. Those are really geared towards potty training help. And also I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore and I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, jamie.glowacki, and I do a lot of lives and uh, usually posting a lot of good information. So those are extra resources for you. And as always, rock on. Have an awesome day.